0: Good morning and welcome to Faith FM. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8, 88, right across the Faith FM network, right across Australia, wherever you are. You are joined this morning by the double L team, Lawson and... Lyle. (laughs) (laughs) You messed
1: it up. You said... Something twice.
0: Yeah, I know I did. <laughs> I know I did. Well, I was, I was just making it, exacerbating it to, to mess with you. I just, I just I wanted to <laughs> see if you picked it up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah, what am I thankful for this morning, Lawson? You're supposed to ask me that bit next. Oh, yeah.
0: What are you thankful for this morning, while?
1: I'm super thankful for my father-in-law. He's heading oh, back amen. to the States today. He's been here for a few weeks, and it's just been amazing. Mm. He is a... Uh, he is an inspiration. He is a he is a man of God. He is um, well, he he gave me my wife, which is pretty incredible. What a lad! And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's just um, yeah.
0: He must like you.
1: <clears throat> and I'm also so I got so much to be thankful. So many such family things to be thankful mm. for this morning. So my father-in-law is heading back. That's the first um. Um, thing on my mind. The second thing is that my son graduated yesterday, oh, which was pretty yes. cool. You. Um, graduated from theology, ministry and theology course. So he's heading off to Queensland to do ministry in uh, Logan Reserve and Bow Desert areas in southern Queensland, southeast Queensland. Um so that's pretty cool and uh yeah I'm going to have more things to say over the next couple I got to save a few of these.
0: Yeah, dude, same. Well, I'm going to be thankful You for... had like the
1: best weekend. I had on a, record, an, right? A, an
0: amazing weekend, but I'm like, going to talk record. about I'm going to talk about that next in in our next segment. But okay. what I'm thankful for right now um is what happened yesterday. Well basically I'm thankful for motorcycles. Cause they're pretty great. And yesterday, um, I went and helped my friend Ruben. He's like a learner, just got his L's and he went out to buy a bike and he was like, Hey Lawson, come help us out. And we went up to, went to Raymond Terrace first and looked at a bike there and then went up to Dungog and the one in dungog was the one we ended up buying and because he's like not confident he's like oh yeah can you ride it home for us so i got to <laughs> ride it home from dungog you know which is like you know about about an hour's ride and you know over the hills there and on the back country roads and it was just the bomb i was like i was not expecting that at all i was just i was just, just driving around with him all day and then he's like oh yep yeah, now you get to ride the bike and i was like well sweet good times <laughs> it was awesome
2: To
1: It's Chelsea Moon with Come Now, Found. You're listening to Faith FM. We're about to have a clue for our
0: quiz, our first quiz of the week. What have you got for us okay. there, Lawson? Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. What number am I? So that really narrows it down um, between one and infinity, or you know the the highest conceivable possible number that humanity can conceive, which is very high. Um, so that doesn't narrow it down at all. I was lying. Um, but here we go. What number am I? At the Lord's command, Isaiah walked around, stripped and barefoot. This many years, Ooh, the 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 clocks ticking. Nup, no, you you're in you're incorrect, my friend. Yes, yeah. Now I'm way off the. What a weak what a, what a <laughs> weak guess. Like usually you're kind of close, and then I make fun of you for not knowing it. But that was like, come on, Mister Southall. Yeah.
1: Anyway, whatever. <laughs> it's uh, it's Monday. More. This is called Monday-itis. Yeah. Classic. Okay. Tell us about the 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 greatest weekend on record. Apparently, this weekend was the greatest weekend on record, and I have yet to figure out why. So you're gonna have to. Have oh, out like here. it was
0: pretty good. I might have overhyped. it was it was a fantastic weekend. I had a really <laughs> you may have good overhyped week- it. weekend. Okay. Here we go. So basically, this was the layout of my weekend. I I I said on radio. So you had a keel come in. On yes, Friday morning yes, and fill in for me. Yes. Because at that time I was in a car driving to basically the west of New South Wales. Lightning Ridge. Lightning Ridge. So, um, essentially, uh, Neil Thompson, uh, who's a <coughs> pastor called me up. He's like, Hey, we've been asked to go and, um, you know, put on a barbecue and play a concert. Um, to support the farmers out in, in Western New South Wales. And, and you know, Lightning Ridge has set it up. I'm going to be giving them presents. And, and Lawson, what I want you to do is just come with me and play guitar and hang out and, you know, do what you do. And I was like, yeah, cool, I can do that. So we uh, jumped in the car at 8 o'clock on Friday morning, um, drove out to Coloranabry, which was our first destination, which is a, a little small country town out west. Um, we went to the pub. And played, like, a little thing for the pub, basically. We did... Well, when we rocked up there, we were planning to do a Christmas concert. And we had, like... We had, like, a projector. And we're going to do the lyrics so that people could sing along. But then we realized that the projector that Neil had brought was cruddy and didn't work at all and which was an epic fail and we were like, Oh man, how are we gonna do this? And I was like, okay, here's here's what's up, Neil. What we're gonna do is I'm just gonna we're just gonna do this like I'm just gonna play and sing as like background music and everyone else, all the church members, are gonna be like just doing the barbecue and then they're gonna be talking to all the people and then we might do some sing along songs later and then you can get up and share some words and we'll just be really nice and friendly and give these guys guys presence and support them and that's how it's going to go and he was like yep that's a fantastic idea so that's that's what we did um i just kind of yeah just played it was kind of like busking style like just up the front and just playing songs and taking requests and stuff and it was it was really fun and cute and um yeah and it was it was a really amazing experience like it was really sad but just talking to those people and and they're telling us stories about how, you know, cuz there's been drought up in up in Colorado, Bri, they've been on level 5 water restrictions for the last 5 years and they've been in drought for the last 7. Um and like it's just a heavy situation that they've fallen into where, you know, then uh, we're we'll talking to one lady, she's like she's lost 20,000 acres due to what they're worried about now is that it's desertification like it's becoming desert so basically the topsoil has all blown off because it's so dry and all that's left is the rock hard stuff underneath and it doesn't matter if it rains Mm -hmm. if the drought breaks there's nothing to fertilize there's nothing there there. and so you know yeah that that's the kind of stuff that they're going through and for the people that are still farming you know for the people that are still running cattle and whatnot it's kind of this situation of you know there there's not enough food in the grass because it's like, you know, there's there's not, there's not no water fertilizing the ground. And um, so then they've like taken out loans to buy feed expecting that, oh yeah, we'll take out this loan and it's like one good harvest and they pay off those loans, you know, one, one good season and it's bam, it's like done. But the drought hasn't broken so that they've taken out more loans and the drought still hasn't broken. So then they'll have, so then they have no option other than paying those loans and out of their savings and simultaneously buying food out of the savings we saw um there was a there was a truck that got bogged it was a hay truck and they were telling us it's like it's like a semi-trailer kind of road train type thing with hay on the back they're like yeah at the moment you know that amount of hay is probably you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of hay like it's just at ridiculous prices for hay because it's like they it's just food is just so sparse and so um But, yeah, being able to be there as a church and, and, you know, support those guys and, um, you know, just do what we could and and be there for them and get into just amazing spiritual conversations and pray for these guys and to make them feel like that someone cares, someone's there for them. And and it was a really good experience for for Lightning Ridge Church, who were kind of facilitating that to to sort of gain contacts in that community um, and now have people that they're in in, in contact with who they're witnessing to. to give them hope and it's, you know, I kind of think when I'm there, I'm like, man, what, you know, us, you know, cooking a barbecue and, and singing some songs, like, is that really helping them? But, yeah, I think it was just that emotional support because that's all we can offer really. Like, I, I don't have the ability or the funds or whatever in it of myself to go and just help those people out. Like, I just simply don't. But what I could do, I did I did mm-hmm, do and, mm-hmm. and it was a blessing to them, you know, Um then we left that night. Went down to to went up to Lightning Ridge Church. Um, was there for Sabbath, and Lightning Ridge is just the most wild place on earth. Like it is just hectic. They don't their industry there is farming, and I basically learned while I was there that everyone there is actually looks extremely poor, but is secretly rich, and they're dodging taxes. And, and they're just <laughs> selling opals. <laughs> like it is. It, it is like oh man, I could talk about Lightning Ridge for years. Because after being there one after day, after being there literally one day, like all the stuff that's going on in that town, but at the same time, like the lightning ridge church is doing an amazing work there. They're just inundated with contacts and Bible studies and the pastor out there, Beulah. She's just doing an amazing job. And so it's just really good to see that, that, um, yeah, people are getting reached in like such remote areas. Um, and then that night after Sabbath, we like after the you know, Sabbath, we ate lunch, had a bit of a nana nap, and then jumped in the car and went to Pilliger. I went to the pub there, set up, did the same thing, you know, sausage sizzle, gifts, um, and, you know, playing some songs and whatnot. And, again, that was just a really awesome experience, you know, spending time with the farmers out there. And, and Pilliga was like, you know, I feel like I Colorado like a little bit more of kind of a family-orientated farming town, whereas Pilliga was kind of this, it was, it was this, like, Bogan city. Like, and I'm saying that in the best way possible because they were just so awesome, like, all the people there. And they was so nice and friendly, but it was just, like, the tiffity top of australian bogan culture and they're all wearing mullets and i was like you guys are legends <laughs> it <was the> best. <laughs> and it was it was awesome and we played out there and then um yeah and and, and again it was just a real blessing and and uh oh, i think the craziest part is that we're setting up in in the pub you know we're just out there in the pub and and like it's not an experience that i've that i've ever had you know like Doing well, something like where that?
1: else are you going to meet the people? Exactly. You know, they're spread out over hundreds, literally hundreds of thousands of acres. Mm. Um, and but there is one place where they do gather together. So if you're going to meet the people, you've got to go where exactly. the people are.
0: And I think for me, it was just, it was just, I felt really close to the experience of Jesus, where he's you know sitting with the with. Um, you know all these people who are the religious leaders they deemed as oh like why would you go to them you know aren't you supposed to be a rabbi like why would you spend time in these kinds of places like we're in the pub supporting the local people of these towns um and it was just a really fantastic experience to see that, that they were really blessed by that um then me and neil jumped in the car and like drove overnight and got home at 4 a.m so that was that was a good time um and uh we stuck to the speed limit for the most part and um didn't didn't crash or hit any kangaroos so that was really good um and is yeah any kangaroos left out there oh man like yeah yeah there's still some kangaroos running around they hang out beside the roads for, mm. um that's like where that's, the green grass is yeah where the green grass is but yeah i think overall like it's it's a double-edged sword really like it was it was kind of a twofold experience of just experiencing like the heaviness of the drought and um you know, the hurt of the people, but then simultaneously just being able to do something to support them and seeing their appreciation. You know, for I feel like the people out there were very self aware. They are very like, yeah, we are in a hard situation and look, the fact that you're out here trying, we're, we're so appreciative. And, um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm like so glad I got to be a part of that and, and they're continuing Lightning Ridge Church is running one, you know, this weekend and they're going to be trying to run um, the same thing every single month going out to the local towns. But yeah, uh, praise God for those guys. Um, please pray for those country towns as well. This is Sonia Isaacs with I Know Where There's Water.
1: Sonia Isaacs with I Know Where There's Water. Very appropriate uh, Mm, message at a time like this where we have no water, but there is a place where there is water. Mm, The water of life Mm. that Mm. is free. All Mm. right, Lawson, give us another clue for that quiz. Okay,
0: what number am I? The number of days Israel went without water after crossing the Red Sea. All the gears are turning. The clock's ticking. Lyle Southall, he's putting pen to paper and he got the answer correct. So, no, no double prizes up for grabs this morning, but you can still call us 1-800-324-843 and you'll win a prize completely for free. Oh, of course, you know, the prerequisite of knowing what the answer to the quiz is.
1: Okay. So, here's a very local story to us, um, of course, broadcasting from the Newcastle region, mm-hmm. Um where the Roman Catholic Marist organisation has set up a um, in- a youth intensive rehab. So oh. intensive rehab is where you take in troubled youth, troubled young people, and you're basically giving them twenty four seven care. Hmm. Um, so this is for um, and it's one on one care. You know, you've got a, a a maximum of four young people in this. Uh, facility at any given time, mm. a minimum of three staff. So there's is one-on-one care. Wow. It's mm. um, And it's 24-7. Um, and so for, these are for young people that have um, dealt with at least 12 weeks of continual abuse before they were actually um, sent into foster care. So they're, they're kids Oof. that have fallen through the cracks. Yeah. Um, and are 12 years or older. Mm-hmm However, now this has been situated uh, just outside of Newcastle here in the Black Hill area, which is uh, a nice, you know, semi rural kind of suburb. Um, But the local residents have been protesting against it to the point where they have. uh, and uh, a couple of them have plastered their properties with signs, they have put up electric fences, they have surrounded their properties with snake scarers, which is kind of, in my mind, it just comes across as being persecution. I haven't got to the bottom of this story yet, but it just seems to be persecution. Is, like, w- why? I'm, I'm really
0: confused. Okay,
1: it? and this is the confusing thing about why. Because I'm reading through this story and I'm saying, okay, all right, why, what, what is the problem here? Um now the Marists have then you know come back, the Roman Catholic um, Marists have come back and served these guys with um, some some legal paperwork to you know pull down their signs and to get rid of their bumper stickers because they um, recognize that you know they've got young people at this rehab center and their next door neighbors have these kinds of signs up. It's pretty hard on the kids mm, fully to know that neighbors hate them. You know they've been they've been hated they've been hated as kids and now the neighbours hate them, mm. um, and so yeah it's um it's it's pretty full on out there, um, so yeah the um they've they've been given seven days to comply or be sued basically by the Marist so it's it's become a bitter battle and it's super disappointing when you see a Christian organisation and local residents getting into a really nasty battle like yeah. this. That's it's like, thing. really, do we have to go this path? You know, mm. I think that there needs to be a bit of give and take on all sides, but, you know, I'm not in the middle of it, so I don't understand all of the um, all of the issues that are involved right here. But I do see that we need to have facilities to care for people that are troubled like this. And we need to put these facilities in nice locations so that these kids can actually relax and calm down and mm. receive good treatment. You don't want to put them, you know, into the middle of, you don't want to put a facility like this in the middle of a very, very troubled suburb. Yeah. And so they put it in a nice suburb. They've spent the money. They've put it in a nice suburb. Mm. <coughs> um, so it's one of nine of these hubs uh, across New South Wales, <coughs> been funded by the state government. Um, now, the claim is that the facility was set up for a family, so we're assuming that this is a large home that they've purchased, mm. um, which would be the kind of thing that you would want to do because you want, to, want, you want them to live in, in a home kind of environment. Mm. Uh, and the locals are complaining that the sewage for the uh, facility is insufficient for the number of people, so you've got you know about eight persons there. Four staff, four kids. Mm. And I'm sort of thinking, yeah, most large homes can handle eight persons no problem at all. My home is not that large. My home is a very, very average single-story home. And I can easily have – I can easily cater for eight people right there and my sewage system is not going to struggle. Yeah, fully. But if the sewage system is the problem and they're worried about the sewage system being overloaded, for instance, and maybe causing a smell that's going to come across to their property, then at least wait for there to be a problem yeah, and then say, okay, there's some very green grass on the other side of the fence, something's going wrong here, <laughs> and then make your complaint. And how does an electric fence, big signs, and a snake scarer um, solve a sewage problem? It you know, how does, what does an electric, What message is an electric fence around your property sending... And,
0: you know this is this is this is this is they're, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth right here this is so embarrassing for these people like who are doing this I'm like I feel bad for how unaware they are of how ridiculous their actions are
1: well it seems to be fairly clear to me and I'm making an assumption here uh, that they just don't like the fact that there are troubled young people next door and they want them to go away. Ah. Now, we need to have some compassion in our world. Mm. And okay, maybe you're going to have troubled young people on the other side of the fence, and maybe you know they're going to come across your fence and cause some trouble on occasions. But seriously, guys, we need to have some we need to have some compassion in our world And we need to, you know, rather than fighting each other Let's engage with each other, with each other. Maybe go next door and volunteer Get oh, to know these guys Wouldn't
0: that be incredible? Like, if instead, like, the neighbourhood just really accepted them and You know, like-
1: these are these are large semi-rural blocks And they're complaining, oh, there's too many cars out the front There's been up to 13 cars when they've had a board meeting or whatever mm. Well, you know, I don't have board meetings at my house But sometimes I have parties there And <laughs> I've certainly had th- more than 13 cars there And they're like, we, you know, you've got you've got four staff there at any given time, so that's going to be four cars. Is that unreasonable? You know, my son's car, my other son's car, my car, my wife's car. That's easily four cars. Plus, then I seem my car, yeah, your car. (laughs) You know, when you turn up, you know, it's just it's just not unusual and it's just not unreasonable. And if this was like a a Macca's mansion with houses jammed in on either side, with you know half a meter between the one house and the other, mm. then you might sort of say, "Okay, there's a few too many out out here on the street," but this is the not, not the kind of thing, not, not not that kind of an area. Um, so yeah, it's um, this is something that's and, and it it kind of reflects on an attitude I think that is um, that I see you know growing towards compassionate organisations, where it's like, yes, do compassionate work, just don't do it in my backyard. Yeah, well. Mm um and i understand that you know it's it's definitely going to be confronting it's probably even going to devalue your property a little bit if you know there's a rehab you know center right next door with with young people and, and so forth but it has to go somewhere mm. um and it has to go somewhere nice yeah. just so just because this is a nice suburb we shouldn't have the attitude like oh just you know send it off to wherever anyway other story that's um that's just my my thoughts my opinions on that mm. one um American Samoa has just had a measles outbreak. It's spread Ooh. from Samoa. Um, they've got nine cases that have uh been um that they've contracted there. They have a much higher uh vaccination rate than Samoa itself and so they're expecting it not to be as bad, but they've declared mm. a state of emergency anyway. Um of course the nation of Samoa itself has uh since October has four and a half thousand people infected with measles, sixty-five dead. They've declared it a state of emergency. In fact, the measles outbreak has brought the entire nation to a standstill, Um, a complete shutdown of the entire country. There is no schools. There is no trade. There is no tourism. Government has been cancelled. State of emergency. While they try and deal with this from a public health uh, perspective, everybody's just like, stay home. Don't visit anyone. Don't go anywhere. Um, Do as little trade as possible. Um, so quite a uh, quite an emergency situation there. Of course, in American Samoa, they have an eighty four point seven percent vaccination rate amongst one to five year olds, and a ninety nine point seven percent amongst the uh, older generations. Mm. But nonetheless, they're bringing in um, emergency uh, vaccinations and so forth from Hawaii to try and plug that gap before before it gets any worse. Mm. Uh, and, of course, the vegans have been out on the war path, <laughs> which just discourages me terribly because I totally support plant-based diet, plant-based oh. living as being good for you and good for your health, but these agro-vegans are now calling on farmers to commit suicide.
0: I actually, when I was up there, I like I got into a few conversations with people where I told them I was vegan. I could just see the shift on their face. I'm like, look, I'm not a farm terrorist. Like, yeah, absolutely. We love you guys. That's Please. why and- we're here. That's why. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's so, so awful. awful. It is <laughs> so
1: incredibly awful what is happening right there. Anyway, Anna Beden, hope, patience, prayer.
3: Lift your head, little. Lift your eyes to see the sun, lift your heart and burden so, oh rejoice in hope. Lift your head, little one, lift your eyes. Sun, lift your heart and burden, soul. Oh,
1: Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia. Joining us in the studio this morning is Cranville Tooley. Cranville, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you very much. Lovely to be here.
1: Uh, now Cranville, you've uh, recently started working in here in the office. In fact, uh, I get to look out of my studio window and see you busily at work here most mornings. Yes, that's true. Um, and you've recently started a new job pastoring a different kind of a parish. Can you sort of describe the church that you pastor now?
4: I have a great job these days. I really do. Um, it's looking after all the pastors for the Seventh Day of Ennis Church from the Hawkesbury River up to the Tweed border from Byron Bay, the furthest east point over to beyond Burke. It's an awesome job.
1: That, okay, that's a big chunk of territory. You have a rather, a rather
4: well dispersed uh, church and a rather large parish. I do S- sixty thousand k's. They've given me my budget this year.
1: <laughs> They're expecting you to spend a lot of time on the road. I can uh, see. Uh,
4: last month I did six thousand k's. So yeah,
1: you're well on the way. Well on the way. To to hit the ground running.
4: Hit the ground running. That's it.
1: Cranville is fantastic. Which uh, this, of course, means that you are now my pastor.
4: Absolutely correct. So, just watch it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you never know what you never know what problems I might be bringing through your uh, office door there at some stage. But um, oh, no, uh, no, it will be good. The Lord will bless. Cranville. I'm just wondering whether um, whether you could share with us. We're going to just sort of go through a little bit of your story, your journey of faith this morning. Okay. Yep. Um, sure. Were you born in this country?
4: No, no. Didn't think so. No, I'm a, uh, a Kiwi, ah. one of those dreaded Kiwis. Missionary to Australia, one might say. A missionary across the ditch. <laughs> That's it. Believe it. Uh, we, believe
1: me, we, we need it across here. Uh, whereabouts in New Zealand do you come from?
4: Um, I was born in a place called Timaru in the South Island. Oh, nice. Mm. And Christian family? Yes, yes. My uh, parents were Seventh-day Adventists. My dad introduced my grandparents to being Seventh-day Adventist, an interesting story in itself. Yeah.
1: Wow. So how did your dad become an
4: Adventist? Okay. So there was a um, an evangelist that actually came to the town of Timaru, and um, dad was walking in town one day, because dad was a farmer way out in the sticks from Timaru, and um, he was walking town one day, and he picked up this leaflet on the road. Just blowing in the wind? Just blowing in the wind, yeah. And he took it home and uh, showed his brother. And uh, his brother and him decided that they would like to go. Yeah. And it was being in, held in the middle of winter. And uh, in the middle of winter at Timaru, that's where they just, live, yeah, yeah, that's it's brisk. very cold. Uh-huh. And the only transport they had was an old motorbike. <laughs> and uh, so they, they went to the first meeting on their old motorbike. By the time they got there, they were absolutely frozen. So the good folk at the meeting, they cooked them up some soup and they warmed them up. They preached the message to them and sent them home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, for all of our, our listeners there this morning, this is, how, um, yeah. this is the Acts model of evangelism in practice here. The Bible says in the book of Acts that they, uh, that they um, continued in the apostles' doctrine yeah. and breaking of bread and prayer. Yeah, that's great. So, so this church, they've, they've actually made food and presented doctrine. I'm sure yeah. they prayed for them as well.
4: Absolutely, they did. Yeah.
1: So did these guys? Okay. So if this is a, an evangelistic, you know, uh, campaign program, whatever, we would assume that it would continue over uh, a number of nights. Yes. How many times? How many? How many trips did they make? Oh, in? they
4: made quite a few trips. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and eventually, the 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 pastor, the evangelist, went out and visited with with my dad. How far out of town were they? Oh, probably twenty five miles, I suppose. Yep. Miles back in those days. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah,
1: And no doubt they wouldn't have been roads in the same condition as what they are these days.
4: No, nor was the motorbike a very good motorbike.
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh, What kind of farming were they doing?
4: They were doing sheep farming and also planted some crops as well. As Um, you do in New Zealand? As you do in New Zealand.
1: In the South Island, yep.
4: it It was so cold in wintertime that the bulldozer that they used used to slide down the hill. Uh, sideways on the tracks, just too mm-hmm. hard to dig into the frost, so yep. they'd have to leave the bulldozer there until the ground thawed out, so they could drive back up again. <laughs> That's how. Cold
1: yeah, it is. I've been to Timaru, but I haven't yeah. been there in winter. I have been in there; it wasn't winter, but it was not far off winter, and it was freezing. Yeah, it was absolutely freezing, and and oh. and, and nobody was like even complaining about it. And I was about frozen to death. And I'm like, how do you people live here? But anyway, <laughs> um, okay. So so uh, where were you at this stage? I was just a kid. Okay, so you were born. You were. No, I
4: wasn't even thought of. I don't. Are oh, you? Think. Even... Okay, no, so this is long before uh, my parents even met each okay. other. My yeah, mother, so you... my mother, um, also from a Seventh Day Adventist background, and uh, she actually was uh, called to be the school teacher in Timaru at, at our school in Timaru. Okay. Yeah. So she heads down there and uh, meets one of these farmer guys and. Mum was quite sophisticated, and Dad was an old hayseed. <laughs> <laughs> so my mother used to call him. But they fell in love, which is which is nice. It was fortunate for you. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and they, they've had a long, happy marriage. My mum is actually over 100 years old now and lives lives still today. Is that so? In, Congratulations, in dear yeah. mum. a wonderful example of eating healthy mm-hmm. and doing the right things, yeah.
1: Yeah, I was just reading a uh and, and I like to brag here every now and then when I can, but I was reading research that's come out of the United States where um Seventh day Adventists have a thirty six percent less chance of getting cancer than the general population.
4: Correct. They're in so, the green zone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if you wanna if you want to reduce your, your chances of getting cancer by thirty six percent, just become an Adventist.
4: That's it. Right. You know? Exactly right.
1: Um you're you're on to it. Turn up to one of our churches. I'm sure we can uh We can arrange that for you, and um, Mm. yeah, it's all there. So uh, you've come into the world at some particular point, um, brothers and sisters? Uh, I have one brother. Yeah. And uh, you're growing up in a Christian home. Um, Yeah. Whereabouts, at what point do you give your life to God?
4: Well, (laughs) it was an interesting defining point, actually. Um, Yeah, I I, I guess... (sighs) If you have a conversion experience, if that's where your defining point is, um, it was um, when God decided to call me to ministry. Right. Yeah. So was this early in life or
1: later in in life life, or teenage years? Yeah, I was married.
4: My wife and I were married, and we had uh, two children, and our third one on the way when God called me. Okay. All right, so you've
1: grown up Uh, in a... In in, yep. in what sounds like a devout Christian home.
4: Yeah, well, a devout, yeah, a strong Christian home. Yeah. yeah. Devout sort of is way out, out there. But, All but right, but a strong, strong Christian home. A, a good strong Christian a home. A good strong Christian home. With strong ethics and that sort of thing, yeah. Yep.
1: And you actually haven't made that decision for yourself until you're married and you've got children. and Correct. Well, yeah,
4: yeah. You know, because there comes a time when you have to decide whether you're going to keep your parents' values that you grew up with, and uh, are you going to, you know, take them on board yourself? And, right. and for me, that became a bit later. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. How did that happen? Well, I was. Um, <laughs> well, uh, there, there sort of came a crisis point in our family. Um, my brother actually. Um, committed a, a, a serious offence um, he actually committed adultery and um, and the church were fairly cranky at him for doing that because it's certainly not according to biblical principles and should never, no one should ever go down that pathway, mm. but he did um, and so I was, my faith was really tested during that time and my relationship to the church was really tested at that time and um, you know, as human beings, we don't always um, do what is what is good and right, even if we go to church. And uh, so I then had to start to make some decisions for myself. And I actually stopped going to church for a while because of the way that uh, our church responded to this particular situation,
5: mm. yeah.
4: So it really made me think. And at the time, I was I was farming up in the high country of of Wanganui, New Zealand, at that time. Hmm. How long did you stop going to church for? Oh, it, it, I, When I say stop going to church, I'd always believed in church. My faith in God wasn't shaken, but my faith in church was shaken. Sure, yeah, yeah. And uh, So I would slip in and listen to the sermon and slip out again. And this carried on for a long time. Yeah. And, and the pastor would preach... And I'd slip in just to hear his message, then slip out again, because I didn't want to mingle with the people. I, I, but I wanted to hear the Word of God, because the Word of God was still important to my life. Sure, sure. And I wanted to hear the Word of God. Yeah.
1: Do you think of there are a lot of other people in our world in a very similar situation now? I think so, yeah. yeah. I really appreciate the experience that you've gone through here, because mm. I meet people all the time that love God and hate church. Yeah, the and for me, it's like, how is that even possible? I yeah, love church, yeah. But you've gone through a tough experience there, and yeah. your brother has gone through a tough experience, yeah, oh. yeah.
4: How did your brother handle that? Well, he's he's a very strong person in his faith as well. Mm. You know, being brought up in the same environment of me, and uh, you know, even though you know his world was falling apart, his focus on Jesus was still very strong, like mine was. We still. Still believe in God being part of our lives, and going to church was part of that, and listening to the sermon was part of that. Mm. Mm. So yeah,
1: yeah, it's a tough thing to deal with. I mean, people make—we all make bad decisions on occasions. We do, yeah, and those bad decisions can have terrible consequences, Mm. and you know, break up you know friendships and relationships and communities Mm. um, all over the place. I think that. Mm. those are the consequences we really need to think about when faced with um, those, that, you know, a, a, a temptation like that, really, essentially is what it comes down to. True, yeah, absolutely. From that experience, you received a call to ministry. Mm. So this is not the average call to ministry story that I've ever heard here on Faith FM. No, it's not. <laughs>
4: Tell us about that. Yeah, okay. So on one of these occasions, I slipped into the church and... The pastor is quite a well-known pastor in this area. It's Pastor John Dean. And uh, he, he was preaching up the front of this this rural church in New Zealand. And uh, he, he saw me come in, and I'd always know when his sermon was coming to an end. You know, how they do the wind-up. This particular day, he didn't, and he just finished, and he shot off down the aisle before I could get out and grabbed him by the arm and said, He'd done a bit of research upon what happened He said, I've heard your story He said, I'd like to come and sit down And talk to you in your home I wasn't too keen on that idea, as you can imagine But he, he said to me, and he must have known the way I worked, He said to me, I need firewood And I, I was the sort of person that could not turn down uh, an act of kindness So I said, okay, alright, come up to the farm where we're doing And I'll catch up a load of firewood and you can take it home for the winter, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: ah, yes, as wise as serpent and as harmless as doves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And 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 during this time, God had been working on my heart. You know, uh, He 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 had been saying to me, uh, "How long is this going to continue, Cranville? Are you going to give people forgiveness?" Uh, are you going to get back, involved back into my church and reaching out to people and reaching out and sharing the gospel. So he was working on my heart in that area as well.
1: Mm. Okay, so, uh, so the
4: pastor comes out for a visit. Yep, I remember that well. <laughs> yeah. uh, he... he uh, yeah, we cut him up a load of firewood. Then as the New Zealand custom was, we sat down and had a cuppa together. I'm not sure that he appreciated a cuppa, but I certainly do. That was my culture. And uh, and then we got the, into a conversation. And he said to me, I've heard your story. I'd like to apologize on behalf of the church for the way that we've treated you. Mm. And that really touched my soul. That's what I needed to hear from someone that had authority in the church just to say, how deeply sorry we are for for, for what had happened. Mm. Yeah. You know?
1: mm. And from there to ministry, I'm. I'm <laughs> I want to get to this. I want to get. I'm. I'm. I'm hearing a great story here. Where does
4: it transfer across to ministry? Yeah. Yeah. It does. So. So out of that conversation, you know, God softened my heart to to the church, and um and my boss came to me and he said to me, "We're going through tough times." Um. In the farming scene we're gonna to have to make you redundant. Mm. And but so I said, Is there a is there a date you want me to leave? Oh no, no. When you when you decide you want to do something else, um just just go and do that, you know? So it was a it was a redundancy coming up, but um in those days there was no redundancy package or anything like that, nor was there an end date for me. So, But I'd start applying for farming jobs And at the same time God put into my heart The idea that maybe I should be working more for him Than just hanging out doing farming And he he slowly but surely turned my thoughts Towards um, going into the ministry And um, it's quite interesting Because I never had any At school I goofed around And I didn't have any qualifications I could
1: few of us can relate to that yeah yeah well
4: (laughs) well, my parents sent me to do a a mechanical apprenticeship because I I wasn't doing any good at school and I did a mechanical apprenticeship and I became an A grade mechanic so that was my income prior to farming so so through all this God was throwing up these ideas in my mind and and I I got to the point where I just become totally frustrated because nothing was coming clear to me. So I got on my knees one day and I said to the Lord, "Okay, you win. <laughs> I'll I'll approach our Avondale College. I'll see if I if there's a pathway. God may or may not open that door. I don't have any qualifications behind me. I will." I will, I will do that to give my mind peace, so I could go back to farming because I really loved farming, and I uh, had at least a farm down the road, and that's what I really want to do. But I couldn't get peace in my life until I, I had, you know, listened to the Lord. He wouldn't give me peace, so I, I uh, applied to do the mature age exam at Avondale, and I remember coming out of that. Um, Exam, extremely excited because I knew I'd failed it horribly. I just couldn't. You were
1: free to go back to farming. I was free
4: to go back to farming. Hallelujah. I can remember dancing around the paddock uh, on the farm, just absolute joy because I didn't, I was let off the hook. Also, I thought I was let off the hook. (laughs) Clearly not. Clearly not. (laughs) (laughs) So the results were sent away, and I, I remember. The day um, when I needed to sell a house that I had and I knew I couldn't sell the house until I had a clear pathway forward. I wanted to sell the house to buy a farm. But I knew I couldn't do that until I got an answer to God had made that clear. That was the direction for my life. So um, from the, I got a call from the real estate agent saying we had an unconditional buyer on the house. same time I rang Amondale College and they said, Oh, the person that's in charge of whether you pass your exam or not is just in a lecturer and not available for the next hour and I thought, like, Oh well that's good. That means that I don't have to you know, I don't have to go to college to be a pastor. So but I just started off out of the house and quite happy about how all this was unfolding, and I just jump on the horse to go and do some mustering. I was just heading off across the paddock, and my wife yells out from the house, "Hey, this is Australia! You know, on the phone, they want to talk to you about about uh, you your exam." So I turned around. And I thought, "Oh no, here we go." I was pretty confident that I'd failed it, and I was really happy. So I said to the, picked up the phone, and, and I said, "This is Cranville Tooley here." And they, they said, "This is Avondale College." And I said to them, "I failed, haven't I? Hallelujah, I failed." <laughs> <laughs> and they said to me, "Yep, you failed." <laughs> and Hallelujah, they could hear me jumping around, um, uh, you know, and I said, oh, thank you so much. I said, I, I really appreciate that. I failed this because now God will give me peace and I can go to farming. And um, the administrator, Abinsale, said just one moment, he said, I feel really feel impressed by God to tell you this. Uh, what would that be? He says, well... We've seen people that have failed so hugely in this entrance exam, but to continue on in life to be a minister and to be, you know, someone that God can use to be very successful at ministry. So what I am prepared to do is I am prepared to give you a semester at Avondale College to see whether you can actually make it or not, even though I dramatically failed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, Cranville, we are out of time. (laughs) But this is an epic story. I cannot believe that you fail the entrance to university, get let into university, clearly work your way all the way through the the theology course there, and hence you are sitting here in my studio right now, and you are my pastor right now. God works in amazing ways. He
4: does. He really does.
1: We have a lot to uh, thank God
4: for. We do.
5: To where he found his sheep that was lost.
3: like to get to know Jesus? Are you interested in learning how to study the Bible? Do you need some
1: support and prayer for what's going on in your life? We have a local pastor in Armidale, Pastor David, who would love to support you. You can contact him by calling or texting
4: 0430 190 101. That's 0430 190 101.
6: Hi, I'm
2: Delaine. Hi,
7: I'm Sonny. Hi, I'm Drago. Hi, I'm Nigel. And we'd like to invite you
1: to our church. The The Southern Illawarra Illawarra Seventh-day Adventist Adventist Church. Church.
6: We meet every Saturday morning at 10.30am to study the Bible, followed by our
7: main service at 11.30am. You can find us at
0: 107-109 Princess Highway, Dapto. We are in the High Ninja Hall inside the Dapto Ribbonwood Center.
6: For more information, you can get in touch with us on Facebook.
0: Just search
7: for Southern Illawarra Seventh-day Adventist Church or contact us on 0402-716-762.
0: We hope to see you soon, and stay tuned to Faith
7: FM. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
6: Christian Bye.